want to take a moment today, so good to see everybody, and just greet somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them, you're glad they're here today. Got that. Okay, we're ready. Find your seats. Mark didn't get to greet every single person yet, so we're just going to have to wait a minute. Okay. I say it every week, but honestly, I mean it every week. It is so good to see you guys. If we could meet more than once a week, that would be great with me to get to see you guys more often as a group. I see a lot of you throughout the week. I touch base with a lot of you, but when you get to see us gathered as a group, on Sunday mornings as the full group. Yeah. She loves when I preach. So introduction and review. Last week, if you were here, we got back into our regular sermon series through Ephesians. We were chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. The title was A Call to Intercession. We said that could possibly be a challenge to the church to intercession. We also said God is addressing this topic with the church these days, not just our church. You hear it in a lot of different Christian circles, this matter of intercession. Recently, you seem to hear everywhere you turned this matter of who I am in Christ, my position in Christ, and now that sort of has waned and we're into this matter of intercession. Seems like that's what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church today. And how many times in Scripture does it say, We're to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. There's a lot of good stuff we could be doing and are doing, but we want to make sure we're doing the best, and that's being in this wave of the Holy Spirit, how he's moving in the church. We want our church to be in that wave. And I believe we are, and our leaders believe we are, and we try and keep a finger on that pulse to make sure that we are. And we're not afraid to say if we're not, and then we need to get there, get back there. Today, God is challenging the church to go deeper in the matter of intercession. It has always been important. Today, in light of recent happenings, in light of the days in which we live, it's vitally important. The word, intersex, the word that's translated intercession is actually a very complex word, but we wanted to keep it simple. We always do. So for our purposes, we simply said this. Intercession is something on behalf of another or others. It's intervening, it's interceding on behalf of another or others. It's making a plea, it's making an appeal on behalf of another or others. You get that? It's on behalf of another or others. It's others-centered, others-focused. And scripturally, it always relates to prayer and thanksgiving To God on behalf of another. Intercession in Scripture, biblically speaking, is prayer and thanksgiving that's directed to God, but on the behalf of others. Now, however, I have to make a correction 
from last week. I stand here rather sheepish, rather chagrined. I hate to be wrong. But a slight correction needs to be made. Last week, we said that intercession seems to be exclusively on behalf of believers. And when I told you that, I believed that, and I had found no scriptures to the contrary. I allowed a little wiggle room, if you remember, just in case. I said, almost always, I'd love to say always, but there might be that rogue verse out there that kind of you can't say always and I found the rogue verse. I found a verse that says otherwise. It still is very much, mainly, intercession is, can't put a percentage on it, but it's mainly on behalf of other believers, the church, the church family, but not exclusively so. And here's the verse. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. It's still prayer and thanksgiving, but the audience is larger. It's not just the family of God. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Still, honestly... It's by far mentioned in regard to other believers so much more often. But here's the verse that precludes you from saying it's always exclusively for the family of God. Are you with me? Do you accept my apology? Accept the correction? All right, then we'll move on. Prayer and thanksgiving are the two primary components of biblical intercession. So this week, Lori, if you'll come. The text is Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, same as last week. Initially, I thought one sermon from this passage. Then I thought two sermons from this passage. Now I'm thinking three for sure, maybe four sermons from this passage before we move on. So if you'll stand with us, Lori will come. And she's going to read again Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and domination, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thank you, Lori. That's a long passage, isn't it? You may be seated. I appreciate when you guys come up here and read for me. So the title today is The Content of Intercession. And it's an example from the, apost- from the life of the Apostle Paul. 
Last week was the call or the challenge to intercession. This week is the content of intercession. What's intercession composed of? And we're going to check that out through the Apostle Paul, this initial recorded prayer of his for the Ephesians. Here we go. Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus, and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly. For I have not stopped thanking God for you, and I have not stopped praying for you. And we said last week, wow, that, that's like a consummate biblical definition of intercession, of intercessory activity. I have not stopped thanking God for you, and I have not stopped praying for you. Thanksgiving and prayer to God on behalf of the Ephesians, the Ephesian believers, and the church located there. The focus is on God, and the prayer is on the people's behalf. You have the vertical focus, you have the horizontal focus in intercession. Again, I have not stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly, or I have not stopped praying for you. This is often the pattern. This is often the practice for the Apostle Paul. Thanksgiving is an important part of intercession. It permeates. It weaves its way. It should, at least, through all of our intercession. Intercession is not a petition of lists that we bring before God. We do this, we do that. Bless the missionaries, thank you. Got to get to work. No, thanks. intercession should be thoughtful. There should be thanksgiving. And as you're giving thanks and you're, you're thinking about what you're praying for, God begins to give you direction and how to pray for it. And that's effective praying. There's definitely room for the prayer in the car because Nehemiah, when he was under pressure, would offer up quick prayers to God, help me God, and then he'd be about his work. There's room for that. But that's not to be the general rule of praying for Christians. This is often the pattern of the Apostle Paul. I have not stopped thanking God. I have not stopped praying for you. So today, I want to give us a word on thanksgiving. It means to give thanks. It means to be grateful. It means to have gratitude. It means to appreciate, to be filled with gratitude, to be filled with appreciation. As we said, thanksgiving is a vital and it's an important part of intercession, critically important imperative. Thanksgiving joins hands with praying to make intercession effective. Paul is thanking God for these believers. He's thanking God for their church. And as we saw in Scripture last week, he was thankful for the church. Every one of his letters, without exception, I believe, you can't say without exception anymore. There might be that rogue verse out there. But he thanked God for the, for the Ephesus church, the church in Ephesus, the church in Rome, the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi, the church in Thessalonica, etc. He was thankful for God for all the individuals who were his companions in his ministry and in kingdom work, for Timothy and for Titus and Philemon and many others. Paul's life was characterized by thanksgiving. Is yours. 
Is mine. Nope. Mine is not a two-syllable word. Is mine. My grammar teacher always corrected me on that. Mayan is not a two-syllable word. Syllable word. It's a civilization down in Central America. Mayan. Paul was thankful. Paul was giving thanks. Paul was grateful. Paul was filled with gratitude. Paul was filled with appreciation to God for the fruit of his ministry that God had granted him in all of these cities, in all of these folks' lives. Now listen. Many once lost souls who were alienated from God, who were without hope in this world, facing eternal torment in the lake of fire, also known as hell. Many once lost souls now know, love, and are living for Jesus. And they will now live an eternal life with him because of Paul's ministry. Paul is very thankful, grateful, filled with gratitude, filled with appreciation to God. And we studied Paul's life, and we know what he went through in that work, that kingdom work. And yet his life was characterized by thankfulness. This is usually a November sermon. We're a month early. This is usually a Thanksgiving sermon. But it fits today. Many once lost souls who were living completely self-centered lives, now helping others who do not yet know Jesus come to know him. Paul was thankful for that. I'm thankful for you as I look out at this church. This church was started with four couples. Quickly grew to two couples. (laughs) And that is no lie, right, Deb? And now look, I am so thankful. My heart is filled. I'm grateful. Filled with gratitude. Filled with appreciation for you guys. To know the glorious life change that he brings. And when you see it in other people, you experience it and then you see it in other people, that's something to be thankful for. I know where many of you have come from. I know where I have come from. And I look at us now and I am thankful. So thankful. Paul was thankful for what God did. And he was thankful for what God is doing or was doing in his day. We're thankful for what God has done. And we're extremely thankful for what God is doing. And you notice all through last week's verses and this week, the phrases such as have not stopped, continually, constantly, always, night and day. It was not a once and done thing for Paul. Yeah, I prayed on Monday morning and I gave some thanks. And now now it's Sunday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what happened? It was not a once-and-done thing or infrequent for Paul and his companions. It was regularly, frequently, often, and it was persistent. Here's a challenge. Persistence. Persistence is a challenge for us today, at least speaking for myself, perhaps you as well. Persistence is a challenge. I'm okay initially. I often can start well. I'm I'm talking about mostly in prayer, intercession. 
start well, very energetic for whatever I feel it is that God gave me to pray for. And I hit the ground running and I hit it hard. But I can wane all too quickly over time. And sometimes over a short period of time. And I begin to lose my energy for that. That was not the case for the Apostle Paul and his companions. I think one thing that's needed in the church, among many things, especially in the area of intercession, is a greater stick to itiveness. No show of hands, but the application last week was to list names for whom you would pray regularly this week. No show of hands, but did you pray regularly? for the people on your list. No nodding of heads. Just think about it. Or was there a prayer offered for them and that was about the extent of it? We say in Wednesday morning, thanks to Justin, because he's our leader at the Wednesday morning 5.30 a.m. prayer time. And he always brings this to us. Guys, you got to keep the pedal to the metal. you got to sustain the ground that's gained. You can't give up because it hasn't happened, and you can't give up because good things are happening. you got to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Jesus said, I would that people would pray, always pray, and never give up, and never quit. There's this thing about growing weary, and Tiffany often mentions a word I shared, a prophetic word I shared a while back where there was this sense that Satan was releasing a scheme on the church to try and discourage the church. And we needed to be very careful and fight against that in our own personal lives and in the church, church's life. I think the scheme now, maybe along with that one, I think the scheme of the enemy now is to just overwhelm us and wear us down and cause us to just give up, cause us to just say, what's the use? And we can't allow that to happen. Keep the pedal to the metal. Sustain the ground it's gained. The story of Joshua and the Amalekites. Joshua was to take the army into the valley, battle the Amalekites. Which, by the way, what's happening in Israel is nothing new under the sun. If you look where the rockets are being launched from. There are the three cities of the Philistines that Israel never conquered back when God told them to take the land. And it's haunting them to this day. Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Elka, or something like that, or Elkon. That's where all of the Hamas and the Palestinian terrorists are are infiltrating Israel. That's where the Philistines infiltrated Israel. There's nothing new under the sun. Just if Israel would have completely obeyed God and took the entire land, maybe we wouldn't be seeing this today. There's a consequence for disobedience. That's a sermon of its own, but I thought I'd throw it in there. I guess I'll stay on that for a minute. When we're disobedient in our own individual lives, we open ourselves up for the attack of the enemy. Complete obedience, not always a a recipe for freedom from trials and tribulation. We'll have them. But we forfeit a level of blessing, favor, and protection from God and open ourselves up to the accusations of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy, when we don't walk in obedience. And then we wonder, 
why this is happening and why God hasn't come to our rescue. And I don't know if this is exactly how it works, but we start crying out, God, why haven't you come to my rescue? And he's like, my hands are tied. You're walking in disobedience, and he has the right to do this. Harsh truth, isn't it? We can't grow tired or complacent. Galatians 6, 9. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. We're focusing on intercession. Well, that, that's across the board, but we're focusing on intercession. Let's not get tired of what is going good, doing good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Again, mentioning Israel. Things like this have a tendency to shake the world. I don't know about you, but when I first heard the news, and I had a one-up on the news, Morgan has a friend that lives in one of the cities that was under attack, and she had sent on social media pictures and texts to Morgan. We knew about the attacks before it broke on the news because of, of this. But when you first hear the news or however you hear news like that, it's like a weight wants to descend on you. Did you feel that or no? It's like it, there's just a weight wants to come on you. That's this scheme of trying to discourage us and say, what's the use and overwhelm us? And we cannot let that happen. So I began to pray about it immediately. And I'm like, okay, so that's the larger picture. It's happening in Israel. It could very easily and very quickly have worldwide consequences. The terrorist group that's attacking Israel is not acting on their own. There are rogue nations behind them. And alliances are being formed. It could very quickly be a worldwide conflict. So I'm like, all right, what do we do? What? And the answer was so comforting. The answer was, the answer from God was, you stay the course. You do what I've called you to do. That's your role in the bigger scheme of things. You be faithful, you be obedient, where I've called you to minister. I'll take care of this stuff. And I've already designed that your role will fit into that somehow, but you don't need to know how. You just need to do what you're called to do. And I give that word to you. Wherever God has placed you, whatever occupation, just keep doing to the best of your ability and the glory of the Lord what God has called you to do. That's your role in this. And if your role becomes more than that, God will let you know. You do not have to worry. You do not have to carry the weight. You just want to be obedient and faithful in these days. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired in intercession and praying for one another. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That was the other side of this picture. I saw as we remain faithful... How I started was these kind of things shake the world. People are starting to get concerned. Life is beginning, mortality is beginning to become more important. And so as these things happen, people start to think about things they don't normally think about. And I saw those back doors swing open, and I saw the harvest streaming in, streaming in to this church. So we need to be faithful. 
People will be driven to the Lord by these things that are happening in the world. And God has raised up the church to receive that harvest. Is that an amen or a yawn? <laughs> Sorry. You think about Revelation 5.8. We've talked extensively about this in years gone by. Uh, harp, harp and bowl, and there's bowls in heaven, and our prayers go into those bowls. And when those bowls fill up, those bowls tip, and the answer to our prayer comes hurtling down to the earth. And it seems to us that suddenly God moved, but actually this has been building up and building up, and that's where we are. And I love the way Ron says, i got to keep on praying. I don't want to stop one prayer short of the bowl being emptied. What if you stop one, bowl, one prayer short and that bowl doesn't get emptied? And we miss that. That's Revelation 5.8 if you want to check it out. In intercession, results can take time. Intercession is often a long obedience in the same direction. Stick-to-itiveness, persistence, perseverance. We cannot give up before it's time. There's a lot that God must work through. There's a lot that God must orchestrate. There's a lot that God must rearrange to bring about the results of our intercession, especially when man's free will is involved. God will never violate free will, so he simply works around it. Don't get discouraged. God is the master at working around man's free will and bringing about his will without violating man's free will. If God tells you to pray for something, you can bank it. He's able to get it done. The only thing that will stop it from getting done is what? If we don't pray about it. Still with me? We said last week when we confess our sins to the Lord, very few of us ever confess prayerlessness. And yet I think it's high on God's sin list for his people. We read it in 1 Samuel, I think it was 1 or 2 Samuel 12, 23. Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel, said, Far be it from me to fail, far be it from me to sin against God by failing to pray for you. How many good things could maybe be accomplished if we prayed as God instructs us to and when? And how many bad things may have been averted if we would have? We're missing out on good things and we're experiencing bad things. Possibly. If God tells you to pray for something, pray for it. And pray until he stops, until he tells you to stop. There are times you're released. I could tell you stories, but it'll, it'll take too long. But there are times God gives you something to pray for. You pray, you pray, you pray, and all of a sudden you realize the Holy Spirit said, that's accomplished. Even if you didn't see it, that's accomplished. You're done praying for that. Sometimes it's not accomplished, but your role in it is over. This thing of intercessory prayer is so much more than a list of petitions that we bring before God. Bless this. Give me a good job. Food, all that stuff. Intercession is so much more than that. It's a relationship with God, and it's co-laboring with God to accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven. Can you get excited about that? When you became a Christian, you stepped into so much more than you realized you stepped into. And you don't want to go back. You want to go forward, deeper and deeper. 
And that's where God's calling the church in these days ahead for two reasons. That's a good place for us to be. And it's going to be absolutely necessary where the world's headed these days. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? All right, let's conclude this word on Thanksgiving with the following thought. Why Thanksgiving? It's actually a message on Thanksgiving. You might have forgotten that. Thanksgiving, gratitude, being grateful, being appreciative, as that characterizes our lives, not just here and there. It wards off. It guards us from negativity. It frees us to pray with a positive attitude. That's extremely important. How we go into prayer. How we pray is extreme, our attitude, our mindset when we pray is extremely important. Put the distractions out and listen to this next thing, please. Intercession should not be negative. It should not be complaining. It should, be not, it should not be whining. It should not be worried. It should not be fretting. It should not be panicked out of a panic situation. It should not be anxious. It should not be, woe is me. That's not effective praying. That's complaining. That's grumbling and complaining. Many of us grumble and complain in our prayers. Amen? Well, maybe you don't then, I guess. Many of our prayer sessions are a session of whining and complaining and grumbling before the Lord for the way things are or the way he or she is. That's not effective praying. That's not effective intercession. Your intercession is not effective intercession. But that's how most of no, 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 not most of us. That's how we often pray out of an Eeyore mindset. Oh, Lord, it's so terrible. They attacked Israel. Lord, this is probably the end. What are we going to And this is exactly what I think God's doing. When praying, we do not need to be rehearsing how terrible things are or how bad it's gotten. God knows the situation. It's okay to give the facts when you're praying because that helps us focus. But God doesn't need the facts. He already knows the facts. Intercession should be. Stay with me for another minute or two. Intercession should be upbeat. Intercession should be positive. It should be full of substance, thoughtful. It should be confident. It should be bold. It should be joyful, full of joy, full of grace, full of expectancy, victorious in its nature. Right? After all, that's who Jesus is. That's a description of Jesus right there. Jesus is not an Eeyore personality type. And we're praying for others in the name of Jesus, right? So our intercession for them, then, should align with all who he is and all that his name represents. And that's how we should be praying for people. When we pray, as we gain more and more of a biblical understanding of prayer, we're going to see that when we pray, we're enforcing the victory of Jesus that was already gained at Calvary on the earth as it is in heaven. 
If he says to you, pray for this, it's because he's already won that victory and you're to enforce it on earth as it is in heaven. That's a whole different type of praying from what most of us have learned. That's effective praying. That's praying that rocks the spiritual world. That's praying that Satan doesn't like. That's the downside of it. You may get some pushback when you pray like that. But he doesn't like that type of praying because that threatens his kingdom. Much of our list presenting to God doesn't even touch his kingdom. Come on. Aunt Tilly's toenail in California. God, would you please heal that? Unless he absolutely told you to pray for that because it's going to affect the kingdom, that might not have been the prayer focus. Harsh. We want to be as effective as we can be. We are a praying church. Thank you. Again, we are a praying church. We are. Absolutely we are. And we've been praying since the beginning. And then every once in a while, God touches our prayer life and he says, it's been good, but I want to tweak it because I want it to get better. It's been effective. Now I want to add something to it that's going to make you even more effective. We'll stop here today, at least with the commentary. We'll close with a few scriptures, as we always do, that will be relevant to this matter of thanksgiving, giving thanks, being thankful, grateful, full of gratitude, full of appreciation in the Christian life, characterizing our lives, permeating our intercession. If thanksgiving characterizes your life like it did Paul and his companions, when you go to pray, it's going to naturally flow into your intercession as well. Right, Richard? You're not going to be this grateful, thankful person characterized by all of that and then go to prayer and all of a sudden become an Eeyore. No, you're going to carry it right into your intercession. Next week, we'll look further into the content of this particular intercessory prayer. And we're going to find something very interesting that's tied up in the words wisdom and revelation. Paul prayed that God would grant them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And when you begin to understand what that is, Hopefully, it's going to excite us even more about prayer and intercession. Let's let God's word speak. Ephesians 5.20. Give thanks for every, everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Yeah, but you don't know what's going on in my life. I know. But he does, and he told you to be thankful in the midst of it. He didn't say be thankful for it. He said be thankful in the midst of it. And if you ask him, he'll show you how to be thankful and what to be thankful for. It's hard. It really is. The Christian life's not a tiptoe through the rose patch. But it's worth it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. We're always looking for God's will out there, and we miss God's will right here. Whatever circumstances you're in, make sure you're being thankful. Then you're in God's will. If you're, great, if you're grumbling and complaining and woe is me, that's not God's will for you. You're out of God's will. 
When you say it like that, it gets a little more serious. Well, you mean I'm living out of God's will because I'm negative and complaining and critical and judgmental? Yep. Thanksgiving should characterize the life of the believer. Next slide. Today's main point. Thanksgiving is a vital and it's an important part of intercession. The challenge. The challenge as always. What will we do with what we just heard? Will we go home and remain the same? Or will we allow it to work? God's word to work and have its God-desired effect on us and begin to change us. And in this message, change us in the area of our praying. Change us in the area of our intercession. The application. It's the same as last week. Pull out your bulletin insert. And at some point during worship or in your devotions tomorrow, at some point, seek God for a name or names for whom he's asking you to pray for regularly for one week till next Sunday. It can be the same names that you put down there last week, or it can be different names, but it has a different focus. This week, the focus in our praying, in our intercession, is to emphasize the thanksgiving component. Don't even start asking for anything until you become thankful for. Got it? And if you're offended by someone, if you have a grudge against someone, if you don't like someone, start giving thanks to God for them and watch it change. You can't stay offended and you can't stay angry and you can't stay divisive if you sincerely are praying for and giving thanks to God for a person. It just doesn't work. Either you'll stop giving thanks for them or you'll get over your issue. Again, harsh, hard, not easy. If you're offended by somebody, the last thing you want to do is give thanks for them. Ask God to show us how. Will you stand with me? And my prayer, Carol. Carol's going to come to the mic. Sonny's going to bring the band forward. You want to wait till things are settled down as much as possible? No, you can stay to the mic. Just wait till things are settled down, and then you can begin to pray. You don't want to pray over the distractions. You want the distractions to settle down first. Okay, the band's patiently making their way up, and then you can pray. Before I pray, um, I just want to say, I have been to many churches since I've been a believer. I've been to many churches since I moved out to Lancaster County, 23 to be exact, um, when we visited churches before I was with Jen. Um, I have heard beautifully crafted prayers. I have heard people pray so beautifully, and I thought to myself, oh, they must just be so close to God. Their prayers are ethereal. I've heard people pray according to the, the acronym ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. God does not want that. Your prayers may sound very broken. There may be long pauses between sentences. You may be grasping for a word. You may have woken up and there's a wall, a dark wall that you have to press through to even put your feet upon the ground and stand up. 
You may be full of worry when you wake up. You may be full of fear. The last thing in the world you may feel like doing is prayer. God cares about your heart. Where are you? This is the goal, what the pastor prayed. But we want our hearts to be there first, don't we? Our hearts have to be full of thanksgiving. So maybe before we pray, we need to look at our heart. God sees it. He sees we struggle. Might not sound pretty. Might be a hot mess. But simply the act of humbling ourselves and knowing Jesus is the only way. Get out of bed. Walk a step. Say, Jesus, you are the only way. I will get through this day. I will pray now. I will trust for the next hour. Jesus, you are the only way. We come to you. And we thank you that we are here in this place. As I said, I've been to many churches. This is the first church that I have been to that does not pretend that we have arrived and that we are perfect. And we care about how people see us and that we appear spiritual. Every one of us here is broken. Every single one. However, in Christ, we are whole. By the time our prayers get to you, they are beautiful. They are diamonds. They are rubies. They are pearls. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your church. Thank you that Israel is crowned with glory, only she doesn't see it yet. And one day she will be revealed. Oh, I'm getting chills. She will be revealed beautiful, high and lifted up. A sparkling, glowing, shining, brilliant city on a hill. And every eye will see and every knee will bow. And they will know that you are Lord. And they will be full of fear, but a glorious fear and wonder. I pray, thanking you, Lord, that we have life, that you are the one that put your breath in our lungs. I pray that for those who struggle, I intercede for them. I intercede for those of us who long for shelter, who long for a home, who long for a roof over our heads. Lord, these boys did not have advantages. I did not have advantages. There are some here who did not have the advantage of a foundation of love from the time we entered this world from our mother's womb. But they stand here now, Lord, in the body of Christ. That is a miracle. That is you. Only you, God. Please provide physical shelter for them. For the homeless, please provide physical shelter for them. For the mentally ill, please be their sound mind. Give them sound mind. The brain is a member of the body that you have created, and they're all parts are beautiful, but some of them are ill. We pray for healing. We pray for 
healing and strength for Ray. And we thank you. What a godly man he is, clearly. And that he walks because you enable him to walk. And we don't just mean his physical walk, but we mean his walk with you. We pray for Marie, dear Marie. She walks a different path. When she wakes, perhaps she feels the fear. And so, Lord, we, as the body of Christ, pray in one voice, each one of us, for her, on her behalf. When she wakes up and there is fear, may we pray and may we be there with her, that we are holding her up and she feels it. Listen to our cry for help, O Lord. Pay attention to our prayer. We pray as David did, weak and yet strong. We pray to you because we know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as we pray. Show us your unfailing love in wonderful ways. Hide us in the shadow of your wings. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, O Lord, that's where it starts in our heart. May the meditation of our heart be led by the Holy Spirit who tells us that we are able through him. May the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Yes, some might trust in horses. Some may trust by the power of their armies. Some might trust in their military. Some might trust and the nations that come together with them. Oh, but Lord, look at Israel. Look at Israel, how you have used her. The nations want to destroy Israel because she is a testimony of you, but she will not be destroyed. As David did with Goliath, you will fell the powerful and you will lift up the weak. You have chosen to come to heal the sick. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Help us, Lord, to know your ways. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation, and in you we wait all the day long. We will build our life upon your love for it is a firm foundation. We will trust in you alone. We will not be shaken because we stand on the name of the Lord our God who is able and who will win in the end. Every morning we will say, Jesus, you are the only way. We set our eyes upon you. Show us your mighty deeds and your wonders. For your glory we pray. And in the powerful name and in the blood and the victory of Jesus Christ, we believe. Amen.